It's good to see the missionary we're focusing on today in prayer and is uh, Dr. Bob and Shirley Cropsey. Uh, just in case you didn't know, today is Dr. Bob's birthday. So I'm commissioning you right now to make his phone blow up today. Not right now. I sent my text to him at 6 this morning because I was just in a mood to do that. And I hope it woke him up. So uh, I hope that you uh, get a greeting into him. He respo- responded and they're doing very well in their new home and church. Actually, he's been recruited to help write the missions policy and form the missionary committee at his new church. So uh, we're excited about that. On behalf of Pastor Michael, I want to thank you for the your kind gesture this morning. And uh, it's very humbling um, for both of us, that kind of thing, uh, because it's a joy to serve you. It's What's, what's the most humbling to us is to be called pastor by you. Um, that level of trust in itself is very humbling. So thank you for your grace and your kindness to us. And by the way, we're, we've rounded the corner uh, into um, the end of the first year that uh, the Lord brought Michael and Maddie to our church family. Uh, that happened later in the fall last year. And what a gift they have been to our entire church family. Open your Bibles, please, to what I would consider to be the primary text on the Lord's table, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Of course, we could go to any of the four Gospels, and you're saying those aren't important. No, I'm not saying those aren't important. But what 1 Corinthians 11 has is everything we have from the Gospels, plus more that our Lord had revealed to Paul by the time of his writing this chapter. As you're turning there, I, I, w- I was reflecting this morning and remembering um, a surprise that someone gave me. Actually, uh, within the last two years, I was notified that someone had gifted me with a helicopter ride. And I just thought that was so cool. Not just any helicopter, it was the Huey helicopter that takes off from Willow Run Airport on the weekends. You can secure rides on it. And, uh, and what you do is you go up from the airport and you circle around the Rawsonville area, the, the uh, Ford Lake, Belleville Lake area, and, uh, and then you bank, do some steep banks and you come back. It's about a 20-minute flight. And so I was super excited to do that. And I made my appointment for the flight. Austin, Jesse was the guy, one of the guy, young men working that flight, making sure we were all strapped in. That was neat to see him in action. And, uh, and if you don't know, the Huey is, is one that was, uh, had a huge, played a huge role in Vietnam, that, that helicopter. And, uh, and, and you're not, it, it, like there's whole walls of the helicopter open when you're riding this thing, but you're strapped in. And so we took off, and, and I thought I knew the Rawsonville area fairly well. I live out there. I live in Ipsy Township. I live where Textile Road hits Tuttle Hill. You go out Tuttle Hill Road a little bit further, and that's where our house is, our subdivision. And I thought I knew both lakes well. I thought I knew Rawsonville area well. After all, that's where my little Caesars is. And I just thought I knew everything well. But, but the thing, my problem was, is I only can see where I'm at in my car in that area. And uh, that all changed the day I had my helicopter ride. Because we went up and we shot over towards the Ford plant on Rawsonville. We went over the, both lakes. We, we just, and, and we saw everything. I could see my house. I knew where to look to see my, my subdivision. 
And then we started doing these real steep banks where I'm not looking out the window, I'm looking down because that's where the ground is. And it was a fun ride. But that one ride just totally changed my vantage point of Ipsy Township in the Rawsonville area. I thought I knew it until I got that view. You know, as I think of that gift and how just those few minutes in the air, seeing everything at once, not just one thing at a time, but everything at once, it just changed how I view my area. It changed everything. And as much as that's true about a 20-minute helicopter ride, I want to say that that's even more true for what we're going to see this morning. When you and I come to this table, as part of our, it's not just part of our worship service. Whenever we do this table, we make it the whole worship service. But the minutes that we spend together at this table changes our perspective. Those moments change our perspective. Listen, every time we come to it, we should see a whole lot more in our lives that we're used to seeing, but we should see it a little bit clearer because of our minutes at this table. You say, what does this table remind us of? Well, just by way of introduction, your Bible is open to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're reminded at this table about the body of Christ that this table brings together. The local body of Christ that it brings together. Uh, Just notice Paul's wording in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at verse 17. It says, In giving this instruction, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part I believe it. And then he goes on to talk about the problem of factions. But did you notice in verses 17 and 18, he's talking about an action that will culminate in observing the Lord's table. And and he says in verse 17 and 18, it involves a coming together. Our body is scattered throughout the week so often. And in most weeks, we don't see each other between Sundays. But what happens when we gather for worship in general, and especially at this table, is it brings us together. It gathers our body. You, You see this kind of language again in verse 20. This is therefore when you meet together. And you see that again, if you go down to verse 26, as often as you, plural, eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We have a second person plural moving through this whole text. It's not, it's not Carrie and Dave and, and, and Carolyn observing the Lord's table. It's, we're doing this together. You can see this dynamic again even in verse 33. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. They weren't just taking a meal, a common meal together, but part of that meal was observing what we're observing this morning, the Lord's table. So this table gathers the body. And by the way, Paul's going to write a lot about the body of Christ in the very next chapter, chapter 12, verse 12. Remember this? Even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. That's why I love this table. It brings our, our body together, the body of Christ. But it, does, it also does another thing. When we come together, and again, just by way of introduction, 
I, I marvel at the body it gathers, but secondly, about the story it tells. When we come to these symbols of bread and a cup, oh, it's telling the story of stories. In a few minutes, I'm going to read these verses from the table, but see them now and hear the story that they tell. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it. And He said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. And in the same way, He took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. What a story. These symbols of the cup and the bread tell the story of the suffering of Jesus Christ as He hung on the cross and fully absorbed, as we just sung, the just wrath that was due us. It fell on Him. He took no shortcuts. He did nothing that was offered to him that would dull the pain or numb the moment. He fully bore the wrath of God. And when the last of the wrath of God was absorbed, only then did he will himself dead. It's a quite a story. As a matter of fact, later in this same epistle, Paul's going to write these words, just reminding us of the story in a nutshell. Everything that this table represents in just a few verses. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and, 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 and in which you stand, and by which you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed. Wow, what a story. This gospel, it was preached, it was received, we stand in it, and we are saved. What is that message? Verse 3, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried, and that He he was raised the third day according to the Scriptures. I love coming to this table with you. It gathers us as a body, and it reminds us of that story. A true story. A pivotal story in the history, not just of man, in the world, but of the cosmos. But it also does one more thing, again, just by way of introduction. It gathers the body, it tells the story, but it also pictures a power. It pictures a power. Hold your finger here and go back to the beginning of 1 Corinthians. There's a power here in this death, burial, and resurrection. There's a power at work. And this power now becomes our message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, uh, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, 
the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. And God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, the Jews ask for signs and and the Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greek, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And let your eyes carry over into chapter 2. Look at verse 4. My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So when you and I come to this table, it kind of impacts how we see things on a regular basis. We see how it gathers us as a body, how it reminds us of the story, and how it pictures for us the power of God in saving us. As Carrie just read, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Romans 1.16, for it is the power of God to salvation. And so whenever we come to this table, even more so than a Huey helicopter ride, we walk away changed. We can see more clearly. Every time. Every time. Especially in a week that will end with, I understand, 90% of us involved with the Fall Family Festival. 90%. I just heard that number yesterday. In other words, 90% of our Calvary Baptist Church family will be facing our Ipsy neighbors this Saturday with this powerful story. That makes a direct connect from this table this morning to this coming Saturday. And if you and I really believe in the power of this story that this table tells, if we really believe in what we see through the symbols of the bread and the cup, if we really believe that, listen, then I'm telling you, this table will compel us. It will compel you to pray a very particular way this coming week as we approach Saturday. I want you to see for a few minutes this morning as we prepare for this table, I want you to see three items that this table stamps into your prayer journals for the next six days. Three items. The first prayer request that this table forces into our journals is this. Lord, glorify Yourself in Your people. Lord, glorify Yourself in Your people. I mean, here's the reality. On Saturday... We're going to gather as a body of Christ again. We're doing that at the table, and we're doing it on Saturday in a special way. We're going to gather as smaller representations of the body of Christ here today with our grace gatherings, Wednesday in our prayer meetings. The deacons' wives are gathering Thursday. Uh, but we're, we're all coming together this Saturday. And we gather as the body of Christ, or what 
what we like to say from Scripture. We're gathering as a community of grace. We see ourselves as not me and them. We see ourselves as we. We are an expression of the body of Christ gathered in the e-course corridor, not just for worship, but even this coming Saturday. And what's the result? Well, I I know what you're going to see, rain or shine. You're going to see us together smiling, enjoying each other's presence, hurrying about. And we do have skippers that are running this event, and we do what they say. They've been thinking long and hard for months as compared to our last five minutes, and we have a good idea. Just let's just I'm going to do what I'm told, you do what you're told. But in the middle of the busyness, we're going to be enjoying each other, projecting, listen, a heavenly joy. Why? Because of what we're celebrating this morning. Because this is true. And those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have eternity that we rejoice in. And we come together and we glow together with heaven's glory. And not only that, not only are we functioning as a body, even on Saturday, but we also will have something about us that, that reeks of heaven and a smile about us through all generations, I pray, that projects to our guests on Saturday a rescuing love. Yeah, we're doing this and, ha- and having a fun time as a church family, and we will. I plan on it. And, 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 but what we want to shine through our fellowship to those who are our guests and to those who are driving by, we want them to see that there's something about this group of people that gathers at this address, and they call themselves Calvary Baptist Church. And it's this. Not only are they rejoicing in the kindnesses of God that's at work in their midst, but they are welcoming us to that. For some reason, those people that gather at that address on E-Course Road, they're smiling at us. They're approaching us. They're engaging us in conversations. What is it with these people? I'll tell you what it is. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, a passage I love to read, and you know it. It says that in heaven they're going to be worshiping God with these nouns and verbs of how Jesus has gathered to himself a people from every tribe and tongue and nation. We welcome them all. Even the ones that look and sound and feel different than we do. Because we're the body of Christ. One of the greatest theological minds in the history of our country is Jonathan Edwards. And he wrote these words. He says, There is language in actions. And in some cases, the language of action is much more clear and convincing than words, end quote. He's right. Us being out here together, even if it's raining on us, what's up with that? It's screaming volumes that we're a church body that's here, that's rejoicing together, facing our neighbors, and inviting them. You know, Jesus is praying for stuff like this. In John 17, listen to what he said to his father. Father, I do not ask on behalf of these 12 disciples alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that's you, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they 
also may be in us, listen to this, so that the world, translation, so that Washtenaw County and Wayne County may believe that you sent me when they see my redeemed and their unity with each other. So you know what this table is? This table now becomes a tuning fork for all of us for Saturday. So we pray this way because of this table. Lord, glorify yourself and your people on Saturday. But there's a second item that this table burns into our prayer journals for this week. And the second item is this. Lord, manifest your power in regeneration. Get that? Lord, manifest your power in regeneration. You know what this table makes us say, makes us pray? Lord, it's all about you. It's all about your kingdom's advance in the lives of this generation. It's not about us. It's not about the sheep we can pet and the snakes that we cannot pet. It's not about hay bales. It's not ultimately about the laughs. It's not about the selfies. It's not about the bounce houses or the bean bags. It's not about the cider or the burgers. Now, I plan on enjoying every last one of those. But that's not the end game. The end game, Lord, is not about us. It's about you, the King, in the advance of your conquering gospel kingdom. And so, Lord, manifest your power, this power that we've read about this morning in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, this power that's pictured in this story. Lord, manifest your power by increasing those who repent and believe. You understand that we're tasking all of us who are volunteering, when you get in a conversation with guests, pray and see if it will go in a gospel direction. Every guest is going to get the gospel and literature. Absolutely. And there's even a team of us that are tasked with going around, and our whole task for the whole time is to talk with guests. I mean, we'll spend time with you and give you a hard time too, but our goal is to get into gospel conversations with our guests. All of us are on task for that. Because that's the main thing. You say, what about the rain? Okay, there's a possibility of rain, like, like from Friday to Sunday. What do we do about rain on Saturday? Well, here's what we do. We, we, pray for, we pray about the weather, right? Isn't that what we do? What we do is we pray for two things. Number one, no rain. And number two, we pray for lots of wind. See, what do you mean by that? There's going to be bounce houses and tents, yeah. yeah. I'm talking about that other wind that we read about in John 3. Jesus said to Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Well, yes, we're praying for no rain. We're praying for lots of wind. The sovereign work of God's redeeming power to work in hearts. It might happen. I know we're going to sow and water the seed on, on Saturday. That's what Paul said, even here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He uses these these words in verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God causes the growth. 
There it is. But we're praying, God, bring in a harvest. We'll be faithful sowing and watering. For sowing, those are people who've never heard the gospel. For watering, it's those who've never heard the gospel, but they heard it again. Like what happened yesterday at, at Ed's, Ed Warren's memorial luncheon. There's sowing and watering going on. But who brings in the harvest? God. Theologian J.I. Packer, who's now with the Lord, wrote these words during his pilgrimage. He said, quote, Prayer is a confessing of powerlessness and need. An acknowledging of helplessness and dependence. And an invoking of the mighty power of God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Only He is able to give men new hearts. And this drives us to prayer. End quote. So we're praying, Lord, manifest your power in regeneration on Saturday. Actually, with this prayer request in place, you know what that means about this table? This table is our prayerful effort to increase the participants in our next table. Wouldn't it be wonderful if someone came to Christ as a result of the sowing and watering or maybe even there is a harvest Saturday. That's up to God. But if someone comes to Christ and they're reborn and they're sitting at this table with us on New Year's Eve this year, wouldn't it be wonderful? This table is our prayerful effort to increase participants in our next table. There's one more prayer request that this table forces into our prayer journals, and it's this. Lord, reorient my heart towards my neighbors. Lord, reorient my heart towards my neighbors. Now, don't just think the houses across the street and next to you on each side. Don't skip over those, but your neighbor, I'm going to use the New Testament definition of neighbor. It's anyone that you bump into that has a need. And anyone who doesn't know Jesus, their greatest need is the gospel. That neighbor. And we pray this one, Lord, reorient my heart towards my neighbors, not just before this Saturday, but yes, include that. Lord, help me to invite people to come. Help me to invite relatives and friends and neighbors and co-workers to come to the to the free fall family festival. But not just before Saturday, but even more so because of Saturday. In other words, we're not going to get all jacked up for one event. And then when Saturday's over, we breathe a sigh of relief and we say we crossed the finish line on that. No, we need to pray that God's kindness to us and His Spirit would work in our hearts in such a way that when we get through Saturday, listen, Here's the end game. We say, wow, I need to be this concerned for the lost when there's nothing on the church calendar. I just approached people I didn't know and I got into gospel conversations and, and I can do that between fall family festivals. That's our true end game. We have fall family festivals so that eventually we don't have to have fall family fest- festivals, so to speak. Because we're pursuing the lost on our own. That's how we pray. This isn't just for this week or this month or this year, but it's for our life. 
We want our reach into the conference rooms to be gospel mission. We want our reach in our coffees, in our cul-de-sacs, on our campus, eating a coney with our cousins. I'm really striving, striving here for C words. When we're at the co-ops, and even at Kroger. Wait, work with me on that one, okay. Wherever we go, you and I are on mission. So you know what this table teaches us? Lord, use Saturday to remind me that I don't wait for the church to plan an event to be evangelistic. There's nothing magical about this zip code and, or this, uh, this mailing address on eCourse. You're the church, and you scatter, and you're on mission. So we understand what Paul's saying in Colossians 4, 5. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders making the most of the opportunity. Oh, remember what we studied in our Peter series that we're on a break from right now? 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, church, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You know, it's interesting. In Luke chapter 10, verse 2, you know the passage, and when I start quoting it. it. says, Our Lord says, pray for the harvest because it's ready. Remember that verse? I love the title he gives himself in Luke 10.2. He says, I'm the Lord of the harvest. What this table reminds us of, though, is this. The Lord of the harvest is also the king of this table. The lamb of this table. So, may we pray as a church family, not just privately, but corporately, a little different this week. If we really believe in the power of the story that this table tells, then it will compel us to pray in a very particular way this week. This morning, our Calvary family is gathered at this table, and on Saturday, the same family will be invested in an outreach. So pray. I know at Grace Gatherings spread around the city last night and then today, I was going to be praying for Saturday. But don't let that be it. I've charged you from Scripture to pray privately, but don't let that be it. We have a Wednesday night prayer gathering this Wednesday. You see how full the fellowship hall was last night? I'd love to see that again Wednesday. And gathering corporately to pray like this. You say, I can do that from home. I'll do that at home. No one will miss me. If, if, if 100 people say that, they sure will. You can leave it up to the 18 to 35 regular attenders of Wednesday. But why don't we blow out the fellowship hall this Wednesday and pray and gather as we get ready for Saturday. I know the deacons' wives are meeting at my home Thursday night. They're going to be praying for this. Own this week by praying for this week. So let's start right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time that we can come to the Word and 
and prepare our hearts for these moments at your table, moments that totally clear our sight for what's coming up this week and every time we come to this table. I pray, Lord, that you would glorify yourself and your people as we gather, not just in these moments, but on Saturday. And as we gather for prayer between now and Saturday, I pray that we will be reminded and reinvigorated and over the fact that we are your body and you are in your kindness putting us on display for your glory this weekend. Glorify yourself and your people. And Lord, manifest your power and regeneration as we obey and we sow the gospel and water it. Uh, that's where it stops for us. We can't make someone get saved, but you can and you do, and your spirit must move. So, Lord, we pray to that end. Wind, blow. And, Lord, reorient my heart and every heart under the sound of my voice here in the room as well as online. Reorient our hearts towards our neighbors year-round that we may be aware always of our mission for the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray.